Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by the Guillen Grade, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. Welcome into another edition of the Blackout Show. I'm Slavko Bekovic, joined as always by Gonzo, by Junior, by Jay. The bad news is the White Sox suck again. Oh no, we suck again. But the good news is we have a whole lot to talk about. Um, guys, uh, pretty quiet last few days in, in White Sox world, right? Not, not, not much for us to discuss? No, nothing to talk about. Nothing I was debating a, an emergency pod the other night. Is it worse than the? Is it worse right now than the the Chris Sale uh, years with those dramas and players not wanting to take the field and the yeah. slashing of jerseys? I, 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 my, me personally, and I've heard this story from the former manager in deep details, <laughs> which is hilarious of the, what was going on. But I think even then, I think right now is worse because I think that the expectations now were so high especially after uh, the new manager coming in, the press conference that they had, and the coverage. Here's something I want to bring up. The coverage that the team had in spring training, there was not one negative comment. I've done my research. I've looked. There was not one reporter, not one beat writer, not one blog. No one said anything that would raise a red flag of there's issues in the clubhouse, something's not meshing, and then you see the the – Basically, the story that Middleton drops is that this has been a shit show since the first day of spring training. But to be fair, everyone kind of already knew that there was a lot of stuff kind of wrong right. with the clubhouse last Correct. year. So, saying, it, so, so like, it was hopeful. So, yeah. so here's the part. I think there's a lot of carryover, okay, that we thought might have been stopped. And maybe the reporters did not write on it because it was like this was there from last year. And they gave Pedro the time of day. But I think the story is here that he has not been able to stop it. Okay, which doesn't mean that he's not going to eventually, but he he has not been able to stop it in a year and a half, a, a half a season basically at this point. All right, so let me let's give uh, for those who somehow are under a rock and missed it. Let's let's do a quick timeline of what the last five days of White Sox world has been like, oh starting God. with Saturday night. Um, Ta gets his his lights knocked out by by Jose Ramirez. Um, apparently this has been kind of brewing between the guardians and, and the white Sox. For, well, maybe just the guardians and Tim Anderson for quite some time. Uh, and it all kind of came to a head on Saturday night. Uh, TA and J Ram just kind of like dropped the mitts to use a hockey term at second base. TA threw the first two punches. 
he didn't connect. J-Ram threw one punch and knocked T.A. on his ass. Uh, and then Aloy gets stepped on, and he's just pissed off, and he's, like, hurting, and he's crying in the background. Looked like a damn pogo stick behind the fight, <laughs> bouncing up and <laughs> Came down. out of the huddle, bouncing around. And that was just the beginning. It all just went downhill from there. Then we we get the the report from Jesse Rogers that uh, that Junior alluded to. Keenan Middleton makes some comments about White Sox culture. Says that there's uh, a rookie in the bullpen who's regularly falling asleep during games. I wonder who that could be, um, because there's only so many options. Um, then Lance Lynn goes on the foul territory show with AJ Pruszynski, and he gets asked about Keenan Middleton's comments, and basically he says he ain't wrong. He said, "I'll tell you what." Uh, he was wrong about, and then he just sat there silently. So uh, Lynn kind of doubled up on on those reports from Middleton about the clubhouse culture, no accountability, there's no real rules, nobody knows what the hell is going on, everybody just kind of does their own thing. Jesse Rogers then goes on the radio and blasts more people saying that he was told Yohan Mankata and uh, Yasmani Grandal are part of the poor clubhouse culture, I believe he said uh, Mankata not known for working hard. Eloy Jimenez being happy-go-lucky, also not known for working hard. Uh, Grandal not a fan, or sorry, I guess the pitchers not a fan of Yasmani Grandal. Then the same day, uh, 670, the score comes out and reports a altercation before the All-Star break between Tim Anderson and Yasmani Grandal. Long story short, Grandal wanted to leave. Allegedly, he was not in the lineup. Gonzo, what are you celebrating? Astro Cole, last home run. Who cares? Keep going. Keep going. Who cares? Anyway, um, Grandal was allegedly not in the lineup. T.A. says, fuck him. If he wants to fly out, I'll pay for his flight. T.A. is in the hot tub, and Yasmani Grandal allegedly comes up and slaps the hell out of him, and they had to be separated. Um, that then was refuted by Grandal, who came out and spoke to the media the same day, said it was unreal, said it was made up, blah, blah, blah. People are out there just trying to get clicks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then Rick Hahn speaks and just denies everything, um, especially regarding Keenan Middleton, and then basically called Keenan Middleton a hypocrite, um, essentially saying Middleton was guilty of some of the things that he was blaming the White Sox clubhouse on. I'm only halfway through, guys. We're still going. There's plenty more on this list. Um, then Han says they identified and basically kind of pats himself on the back saying, um, you've heard from us a lot recently. I've been talking a lot about the culture and we've identified some issues. And he basically said that they cleaned it up um, during the trade deadline. So are you blaming Lance Lynn? Are you blaming Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman? Jake Berger is the only bat that you traded. And a lot of the names allegedly um, kind of cultivating this poor culture are offensive players. So that was confusing. Han then turns around and calls White Sox Twitter and a portion of the fan base a cesspool, which has had a lot of people fired up. Um, and then today, uh, we're taping this on Wednesday night, Pedro Griffol was asked about you know Remillard and, and Andrew splitting time at second base, and he just gave some flip-floppy answer that made zero sense. So other than that, everything's great. Well, you know, Slav, the part that, the part that I have an issue with this is that the fact that Do you they, only have one? No, no, no. I'm saying like just in general, the fact that we keep lying about and trying to cover their asses when everybody knows that the culture has been bad. Like they could have come out and said, like, we've all known it's been bad. You know, things have happened. Um, I don't think that the I think Anderson and, and Grandal had issues at some point. 
I don't think that that incident happened the way that it did or when it happened, but I, I, it's not a secret that there's been incidents uh, with, with multiple guys in the lineup in, in that, in that clubhouse, if it's either slapping or arguing and that's not abnormal in a, even on winning teams uh, that happens a lot. Uh, but I think that the, the issue, and I like the fact that Grandal basically said, and by the way, I have this from a good fact Grandal asked for the press conference. The White Sox did not granted it to him. He said, I want it. I'm getting it. He did say that to the media as well. He basically said, I feel responsible as a veteran. I don't want to make the young guys talk. Yeah, and, and that was awesome, okay? Because respect that's, for that. that's, that's respectful because that's what a leader does and a veteran does. But the part that I have an issue with is that this Griffal saying, oh, we've the guys that we thought were leaders and and basically the general They're manager. Not. Well, I'm saying it, but calling out guys that two weeks ago, you were saying that this was the greatest clubhouse person that you've ever had and you guys were like salivating over it it makes me think that these guys are just as nuts because two weeks before rick renteria got fired they said this is the manager that's going to be here forever so they're changing like the win and it's a, something that's that's consistently and the part where rick Hahn really upset me that was like man and not just me i think white Sox fans should be more upset but i was like the balls that he has on on saying well i was executive of the year and i was never that good and i'm not as bad as i am right now and I was like, so that's what you lean your success on because Kenny's never been executive of the year when he won a World Series. So, so what, what are we labeling on? And then, and then somebody tweeted his his resume, okay, of his ten years of being a general manager. You should not be saying, even if you're the greatest general manager of all time that we don't know about, you should not be saying that to the fans because they can just Google you. So, and the and the part is the players are reading this also, and the players are in the background saying. These guys are full of it, or these guys are for real. And that's what causes even more of a separation from the guys that are in the clubhouse right now, because you make a comment like that. And if you're Cease, Clevenger, uh, you know, Pantera, he understands, or other guys, you say, wait a minute, is he talking about the pitchers or are they referring to Jake Berger? And that's why Jake Berger was not brought up here from the beginning. And, and you start questioning yourself and you say, wait, but why Jake? Like, so it's just too many question marks on just a general comment, a blanket comment that just makes you look even more like moronic about the situation. And that's why fans should be upset about. All right. We have a, uh, a special guest we're going to bring into the show. It's a member of the White Sox Twitter cesspool himself. Uh, it's wow. the owner of Little Joe's in Little Italy or now University Village. It's our man, KG. KG, thank you for joining us on the Blackout Show. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. What's going uh, on, so- KG? All of those things. What are your thoughts? Man, it's a dumpster fire. I just think it's <laughs> funny that during this Sox game, they keep show, showing this commercial with Tim Anderson with the lawyer. Like he just needed a lawyer to get punched in the face. <laughs> Howard Ankin, I've seen him many times. It's the only thing they're doing right during this, these games now. I'm trying to be funny. Sick. So, so I what are your, I mean. Jose Ramirez uh, meme, I swear to God. Big picture with Rick Hahn's comments, with the TA altercation, with everything that's you know allegedly happening in this clubhouse. Like, where do you stand? What 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 are your thoughts on the state of the White Sox? Well, I don't know how Hahn still has a job. I mean, dude hasn't done anything in a long time. And then the same thing, the manager. Why do we even hire this manager? He's not from a winning organization, and obviously it's showing now because he's just, he's letting people. What, what, what do you say? No rules, clubhouse. What what is that? Why are you even a manager? Just let people fill out their own card and put their name in the lineup anywhere they want. It seems like there's a lot of contradiction from what everyone was saying, kind of like Junior was saying earlier, from spring training and the positive vibes and all this, Pedro Grifol's going to turn everything around, and that just really hasn't been the case. What are your thoughts on, on the skipper? 
the man the skipper out. When you watch him in the game, it's like, why is this guy playing this guy here? And then you're sitting people and you say, if they're hurt, I'm gonna let this guy play through it, but then I'm gonna let someone else not play through it. What is what is that? That's it's like, all right, so it makes no sense. Everything he does makes no sense. And then you play this guy here at one position, it's like, why? And you're playing another guy like Makata. Just let Makata sit for the money he's making. Just let him sit. His glove is not taking care of the bat. Berger should have been playing way more than he was before that. So it's like now you have Makata play for what? What are you going to win? Five extra games if that. And his health, by the way, his health. I think that right now they're playing Makata in a time when we can tell that he is still 100% unhealthy, and you're doing yourself a double detriment. You're not developing someone else, and he might get even more hurt for next year. But you're hoping that he might have even a little bit better of a season than he is right now. So that Moncada situation is very, very, uh, very, very confusing. Well, when and was I the last like time he was healthy? No Pre-COVID? Pre-COVID? Pre-COVID. <laughs> so 2019 when he had yeah. the best year of his career. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the, the COVID situation. I think that he's had back issues even then. I think after 2019, the back issues started. And I think post-COVID, like during COVID and then post-COVID – I don't think he's ever – I think he's just gone, again, gotten worse because that's what happens with time. But I, I, that's why you have to take care of him as much as possible. Why waste him right now? If you're going to get 80 good games from him next year, you want him to be as, as healthy as possible because if he plays only 40, even if he does well, the numbers are just not going to be there. No, so, KG, a- what would you do with Moncada? You, you, you say you want to sit him, but, you know, when you're making $24 million guaranteed next year, it's, it's well, tough. Well, I mean, I mean, he's probably making $48 million because he's only going to play 40 games. So. <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, like, you're going to have this guy play for what? He's not going to hit. The guy hits, what, 230? He's lucky, 235. You know, you're, you're wasting somebody else. Even if you're not making that much, they can still hit if he runs in. If you give up a little bit on defense, he's probably making more on offense by a run or two a game, so. So, so here's my question, uh, and you brought it up with the burger. So they moved Jake. Moncada's gone after this year. Might, he might be gone in the offseason. They might eat the money and say we go a different route. Who's the third baseman? Well, they just traded him. I'm just saying, though, like, who's in the – like, there's yeah. no one in the minor leagues, and I'm like, that guy would be the third baseman. The, the, the Leave it to Gonzo is Brian Ramos. Ra- no, it's Rami. Rami Gonzalez. Rami oh, like Rami. Tommy. Bro, Everyone my, just my, forgot about Rami. Yeah, Rami. What is it, Caillou? Yeah, somebody wrote, put up me, uh, the cesspool of White Sox Twitter, put up, where's this leader at? And I literally wanted to puke in my mouth because we we, we partake in this stuff. And, and again, going on that leadership situation, the, this leadership stuff that they're just giving someone the leadership job, I don't think that people get that. That's how you don't become a leader in, in anywhere. Your boss is not necessarily the leader of your where you work at. Leadership and being the best at what you do does not, you know, it's not the same. That's just a reality of it. And by the way, yeah. our best best nickname for our manager, Pedro Grafal, Caillou. Cuban Caillou. Cuban where, Caillou. Justin, where did that come from? Justin gave him the Caillou. He called him the Cuban Caillou. And then we can't, we can't share the tweet. I said that in, but yeah. I did say it. Yeah, I said, Probably. what is the Caillou? But it's the best. It's probably the best because now I see it. now, I, And I'm showing pictures of everybody because I'm like, it's probably one of the best nicknames in baseball right now. So, KG, I'm assuming you were not thrilled that they traded Berger. What else or what would you not have done at the deadline? Um, I wouldn't have set put like the way they did. How they got rid of people they got rid of. I mean, I felt like people got more. Like, why, why, why are you keeping Grandal, first off? That, you know, he's 
what what's the reason? He's not going to be with you for however long. You got a, you got another catcher back. I get it, but Grandal should have been gone. Um, same thing. I mean, I would at least take a good look and see if I get rid of Cease to get something. If you're going to do a rebuild, you're going to waste two or three years of Cease. You might as well get something for him if you can do it. Well, it sounds like there was a lot of conversations about Cease, and they were just asking a ton, as they should have, but nobody was willing to pay the price. Oh, he was close, by the way. Had they gotten the one one player that they were offering from Baltimore, from Baltimore he's gone. And we can probably guess, take a guess who the player that they wanted was. Right. He was not in the mix. He just got drafted. Um, but he was very, very close. He was as close as you can get to being traded at a deadline. Uh, and it's probably going to be the same next year. That's 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 just the, the nature of the beast of like, if he was this close this year, he's probably going to be that close next year unless they talk extensions. So now you've opened up that conversation of Cease, of basically telling him, hey, we might not want you here in two years. So talk about, you know, relationships and being awkward. Uh, do you guys think, and I want to ask KG, does, does Grundahl finish the season with Chicago White Sox? No, I, I think they sit him in the next couple games. No, no, I'm saying you can sit him. I'm saying, does he finish the season in the White Sox uniform? No. Do you I think they, they DFA him? You just, they, yeah. they cut ties? And I mean, there's really no reason to keep him. And if he's going to be part of the drama, they're trying to get rid of the drama. Why would you, what, what's, what's the point in just having him play? Just get rid of him. And I think you keep him. I, I actually agree with Jay. I, I think, think they keep him. By the way, and I think that this is this is the funny part, and this is for the cesspool. <laughs> the front office thinks that Jasmine Grandal is the leader that everyone says that they don't have. He is very close to that front office, and then my, no one talks about the Miami connection enough of why Pedro Grifol. All those managers live literally ten minutes from each other. They've all known Jazz as he was like five years old. It's all like literally if we were like in Homer Glen, and we all became like if we were all friends. And coach like high school together, and then we went to the big leagues. And no one's been writing about it. If the White Sox were winning, and this is a part that's really funny, if the White Sox were ten games above five hundred, there'd be seven thousand articles about four Cubans that all live, you know, ten minutes from each other, have this team, you know, ten games above. But no one talks about it now. So I think I'm with these guys. I don't think Jasmine goes anywhere. I might think they might even consider him bringing him back next year. I don't think they'd bring him back. I, I think there's value, especially if you're going to call up Corey Lee or let any of these young catchers. Well, realistically, it's just it's only Corey Lee, Carlos Perez, and Sebi Zavala. They just, to me, they, there's no future for them in Major League Baseball as everyday players. If you're going to bring up Corey Lee and let him be your catcher of the near future before Cuero is ready, then you know have Grandal teach him. You the one thing you cannot blame Grandal is his work ethic. He's there all damn day. He works hard. He grinded this offseason with Paul Goodman of the Blackhawks working out seven days a week trying to get physically ready for this season. I mean, he's just he's an aging guy, and he obviously he his back is not going to hold up. He just doesn't have the workload. I think he's still a valuable guy to have. Um, I think in a platoon, potentially. Um, Bingo. But, you know, I, I don't that's think why, he's a... Way, that's why next year, backup catcher... Lefty, Bingo! Veteran. No, he's, you can't have Grandal back up Salvador uh, Perez on the White Sox. Salvador, by the way, if they cannot oh get Salvador God. Perez, if they don't get Salvi, <laughs> by the way, Salvi had been in the big leagues for two years and had been one of the best Venezuelan prospect catchers of all time before he ever had ever met Pedro Grifol. They probably helped him, but Salvi was a very good player. That's like saying Ozzie Guillen made Miguel Cabrera when he got to the Marlins because he was his third base coach. Like These guys were very good players before getting there. Very well developed. I know this for a fact because 
Salvi was not a name like Acuna that came out of nowhere. He was right. a stud from the moment he got signed. But here's the thing. They don't sign Salvi. I can see them going and saying, we'll bring Grandal for nothing, stay on the team, be a backup lefty, mold the kid, help him out, teach him the ropes. I can see it. Be, it it's probably not a good idea, but I can see it being an option. All right. Well, let me let me ask you. Go ahead, Jay. Go ahead. No, I was going to say you just keep Grandal around because now this is the first time throughout his contract you don't have to bat him every day. You could platoon him. It, you, you said it right there, Slav. His back isn't going to hold up for a regular work, uh, workload. So put him in a position to where he's not the everyday guy. And with you, you do have the ability to DH him and play your young catcher too. So it's not like you're going to lose his bat. I wouldn't recommend that, but that's still a situation you can have. And we got to think about it in this sense, like there's still value to having Yasmani Grandal in your lineup. He's still going to give you a professional at bat. And now without the shift, you can make more hay with his singles. There's a lot of, there's a lot of fucking production right behind the second baseman, right behind the shortstop. And the so, walks. So here's the thing. Yeah, lefty, and bat, the walks. lefty bat, lefty bat, him versus Gavin Sheets in the DH spot. It is debatable. I take Sheets. Oh, I would just because he's going to be power. cheaper and he's got yeah, more cheaper, power. Yeah, more cheaper and power. But I'm saying if you look at the numbers for real, and again, I think that they're going to – everyone's so concerned with this stupid leadership conversation of – they, and they're known for doing things like that. I'm going to bring your second cousin so you feel comfortable type of – they've done it in the past that I can see them considering it. When they should I miss Yonder Alonso. I but I'm just saying they should. And, and oh, I, I miss Manny Machado. Fuck that. Yeah, and, and by the way, though, but White Sox I, missed on Manny. <laughs> exactly. Think, but here's the situation: I think had they had they done a better job of constructing this team, they would have gotten a much better production from Jasmani. Because had they, he's worked so hard that if you had used those 75 games, 60 games that he was going to give you, I think it would have been at such a higher production level that he would have looked even much better. Because we knew that he was coming in. Number one, he did everything he had to do to get ready to play. But I think his workload is has been way more than I thought it was going to be. But you have to because the second option is not that great. So, and you like him because he walks. So, but I think that in any team, and I, and I think he set himself up for next year, somebody picking him up. Because if you get just Monty Grandal for 50, 60 games, coming off the bench, lefty bat, you know, professional guy, and gives you a professional at bat, Again, he's not a bad option. Just people think he sucks because he allegedly slapped TA in a in a tub. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Well, by the way, well, I mean, allegedly, he's not the first guy to hit TA. So were they on the were they, on, were they, were they on the road? Too, Slav. Were, they, were they on the road? Were they on the road when that happened, or were they at home? Uh, I well, allegedly, according to the story that was reported, I believe it was a home game. Okay, so if it's a home game, okay. If the, and you guys can do, go out there and research it. If it's a home game, there is no cold tub for people to see when you're getting slapped because the cold tubs at the White Sox Stadium are all the way in the back. You got to pass the weight room. You got to pass Hermes' office. And then the cold tub and everything's there. So if it happened, it was something that maybe one or three people were there because uh, they don't have team-like swim parties as much as fans <laughs> There's a private shower. Uh, and then there's like the cold tub. So it's it's not something where it's like, if, I, if they were in a visiting clubhouse, you could see it because it's smaller. The cold tub's like next to the training room. So there's more action. So if this allegedly happened at home in the cold tub, it was like three people were there. So it's like, did it really happen? Because just of where it was at. If he said, oh, it was in the lunchroom. Okay. 
there's you know there's 16 people usually walking around at one point so that's why i'm thinking it's funny because now he's not liked because allegedly he did this where i think he's not done anything i think Desmani, his time in chicago has probably been one of the most positive ones from any team that he's played with in his time uh his years here have not, have not, nothing really negative to come from him from a leadership standpoint he just does his job I actually have a lot of respect for him. You yeah. know, his work ethic, the way he yeah. goes about his business, like he cares, he tries hard. I mean, he may not, his personality may not always mesh and jive with everybody else. And maybe with some other more veteran teams that have quote unquote true leadership, he might work a little bit better. But I think in this clubhouse, maybe it wasn't the best yeah. fit. Well, I'm saying that it wasn't the best fit because the guys they didn't want him to be the best fit, but I think he goes about his, I think he's more Paul Konerko than people don't realize. A guy that shows up. Yeah, every he day. a brick. I'm saying, he's no, he just does his job. Day. Quiet, does his job, but when, when it comes, every single time he's had to step up. This TA situation with with uh, with Donaldson, he was the one that stepped up and, and took care of it and started and, and called Donaldson out. Uh, in the fights of the team, he's probably one of the only guys, there's a video of him dropping off TA and then running back out there, you know, to try to control and every and then again this time someone says that he slapped a teammate and he calls a press conference when no one has called a press conference at any moment from any side. So I think from a, from that standpoint, I think he's always talked about it and he gave interviews, dude. Hey, like, he OJ, video him in the off season and he said I sucked. I had to work hard at it. So he put his stuff out there of like, yeah. Hey, think about this. Think about this. Like, in the, let's just isolate the TA versus Josh Donaldson situation from Grandal's standpoint. He stood up for TA in yeah. front of everybody. And you mean to tell me TA that the TA tells that guy, I'm, I got your bags packed? Get the fuck. Come on. What type of nonsense you selling? Well, that's by the way, by the way, I have no problem with TA getting knocked out because when you put your dukes up, it happens. Yeah. I don't think he's less of a man because of it. I love the fact Ooh. that he's decided. I love the fact that he did put his glove down because he's probably the only person on the field that kind of knew what was happening because the slide, Ramirez's slide was weird, and then he stood on the base, so he was kind of like instigating, like, we want something to happen. So mm -hmm. he was like kind of like premeditated probably from their side. But the most, the saddest part of the whole fight was not the knockouts. Probably the funniest, yes. But the saddest part from a baseball standpoint, I talked this past weekend maybe to 15 former players, and everyone said the same thing. I cannot believe they didn't back up their teammate. Those are the words. Because that's my shortstop, OJ. You know what I'm saying though, but that's what fans No, that's your shortstop. No, that's I'm not saying, their shortstop. Way, that's the difference. That, that, that's a difference. And fans can say that's my catcher, that's my shortstop. What fans say, it could be good or bad, and that's awesome. But your teammates need to have your back when it comes to that. When when AJ Brzezinski got hit in the mouth by Michael Barrett, he didn't knock him out. AJ Brzezinski wasn't Juan Uribe. Had Juan Uribe gotten punched in the face that way. The White Sox might have gone out there with like baseball bats. Like it would have been like really, really bad because he was a. Everybody loves Juan Uribe. Like you just love him. AJ but, respected. Hold on, they respected AJ, but everyone out there to fight with AJ, like there was like AJ's a little brother. Even though you might not be best friends with him, so I've seen teams defend guys that are usually sometimes are not the most popular. Are not. And by the way, they used to do it with Ozzy Gee and my father. They used to ask players questions like, "Hey, what do you think about this Ozzy comment?" And I knew they were like Ozzy's freaking nuts for saying this. And they would say, hey, it doesn't bother us. You know, we and then internally they'd make fun of my dad or say, why did you say that? But in the in the media, they always had his back and vice versa. And in this team, nobody did that. Michael Kopech kind of threw Ramirez on the side. Even Eloy's thing, dude, like how bad are you hurt that you're, you're jumping around? 
causing attention. Like the way he was jumping, I was like, season's over. He's done. You know, surgery on the foot. It was just a mess. It was just a really sloppy protecting TA. And it was more protecting him, like, let's get him off the field so he doesn't do anything crazy. Well, his legs weren't working. His legs so. weren't working. It was more, but it wasn't like, hey, let's go get somebody. Other than Pedro, nobody really did anything to defend him. Yeah. Uh, KG, what are your thoughts on TA? I mean, we, we've covered the Grandal side of this alleged thing, which, by the way, let me just say, from, from my understanding of the situation, there was some uh, facts that were not accurate in the reporting about when this happened, where and why and how. Um, what Grandal came out and said was he did play that day. After the game, he was pissed. Uh, I think they, he said that they lost if it was on this day that they were referencing. Um, basically said, I wanted to go to the lake house. It was the last day before the All-Star break. I had a lake house rented. I haven't seen my family much. I wanted to go be with my family. So um, that, that's that's from there. And I just want to get KG's thoughts on, on the Tim Anderson side of it. What are your thoughts on, on him and like what he represents for this clubhouse? Because now everyone wants to blame Grandal for some reason. Like he's cultivating this crappy culture. But like, you know, T.A. is also not a very easy guy to get along with. Well, T.A., his drama was, was early in the season. You can tell he didn't want to be here. Um, the whole, you know, the, the girl on the side kind of thing. I, you know, when he got hit in the face, I was like, man, he just punched him like the boyfriend fought out. You cheated on him. He's like, that, that, that's why you got hit like that. But uh, like he, he's just – like he doesn't want to be here. It's like I thought for sure he was going to get traded. I was pretty sure, like, yeah, someone pulled him in the front off and said, hey, if you want to get traded, you need to start hitting. He went on that little five-game spree there. But I don't know what happened to his power. His power, now he's just like – I don't know what happened to that. It's like he, he's just—he doesn't want to be there. Let the man sit. Bring let someone else play. And because he gets hurt, if he gets hurt a long time, then you're stuck with him. And you're not gonna get anything out of him. Just yeah. That, and that's not a position we can replace, KG. Yeah, so, and that's the thing. It's like, so what are you gonna do? So you can be stuck with, with someone another year for doesn't want to be there. That that's just like a cancer, you know. A Rami, they're thinking about Rami. Rami yeah. like Tommy. Rami like Tommy. How you want Rami like Tommy until my I mean, I mean, same same thing at any job. If you have someone that you know is good at their job but don't want to be there, it, it messes the whole you know it messes the whole day up for everything. Everyone just doesn't want to be with that person. They don't want to see that person. They don't they don't want to do anything. So I don't know, man. Ta, I, I just think that's that's like a cancer you got to cut. Someone has to. Or, or someone has to have a heart. Someone. KJ, it's funny you mentioned that. I just watched the the Menzel uh, documentary, and he, he brought up like his dad stopped talking to him, his agent, and he was such a bad place mentally that he knew that he was a detriment, but he wanted to be out so bad that he didn't listen to anybody. Like everyone's like, "You're self sabotaging," and I, I, there was nothing that was more eye opening that some of the players, some of these teams took over TA that teams in the independent race that went with shortstops or infielders that would have been a million times better. And then the burger, okay, the word on the street is that the guy that they wanted to move there that they offered was TA. And they said, no, no, no. What about your, you know, they offered a couple guys and they said, no, but uh, what about burger? And that's how, you know, they said, we'll, we'll consider this guy. And when you're in the, when you're in the trade deadline and you think everybody wants you, but you know, they're trying to move you and no one even book you. And you're that young, and you a year ago you were like the toast of the town in baseball. You really need to do a self reflection because he's going to cost himself a lot, a lot of money if he keeps mm-hmm. going down this road, which is unfortunate because he still has talent. Even if TA doesn't hit the home runs, by the way, which people are caught up on this power thing. Let's say TA only hits five to ten home runs a year. Let's say five. 
the rest of the time he goes through, if he still gets the singles the way that he was doing and produces at that level, he would still be a sh- above average shortstop at the position yeah. and would get himself paid. I mean, just look at looking about the numbers, uh, not to cut you off, KG, but if the Marlins say, I can't replace you when I only got John Birdie as the shot, starting shortstop on my team, that lets you know where your production is and your value right then and there. You're on a cheap contract. You've already won the batting title. You're an you, a all-star player, and you can't get acquired because a team has John Birdie. That well, also, sums up also, also the year. I, I think it's a culture thing, though. I think teams might be scared. I think yep. right now teams are yeah. scared to trade for young White Sox talent. Because you're like, okay, Eloy Jimenez. Well, you got people saying that he's have a horrible work ethic. So unless you really know about Eloy or about someone personally, you're gonna second guess yourself because you don't want that cancer to spread. The cancer on your team. So unless it's like a manager that knows you or someone comes in and vouches for you, reputation in baseball is a huge thing, uh, for better or for worse. Sometimes you know you have such a good reputation that teams get you because of it and you're not really good and sometimes teams stay away from you because your reputation is so negative um and when they don't even really know you that they don't even want you they don't want to take a chance in ta's defense well i don't know if it's in his defense but you know there was also the report that he moved his his uh his locker in the clubhouse to kind of separate himself from wherever he was previously and i know he went on the the pivot podcast with ryan clark uh, I don't know, it's been probably a couple months now since that came out, but, you know, he, he admitted that as an African-American guy in the, in the major league clubhouse, there's not a lot of people like him around. And he's at times felt kind of isolated. Um, Greyhound. Junior... Greyhound. Well, that, and actually a lot of people pointed that out. Like it seemed like, and this sounds kind of awful and I feel bad in a way for TA, but people said when Brian Goodwin and Billy Hamilton were in that clubhouse was when TA kind of looked and seemed to be the happiest and healthiest where he was. Now, that's obviously 100% speculation by people who say that because at the time there was also plenty of stuff happening off the field as we've now heard from TA himself with the baby mama drama. So I I, I do feel bad in a way like he he's gone from very very quickly one of the faces of major league baseball he had the bat flip against Keller. He, you know, he was he had the batting title. He had the Field of Dreams home run, and you're like on top of the world. You're everyone's favorite on the White Sox, and then whew, things have just gone so far downhill so quickly. I mean, I don't know if I can See, think of like a, a fall from grace in in recent Davis, White Sox history. Mercedes, Germaner. Well, well, you're okay, but your mean didn't have the staying power. No, no, that no, was I'm, like, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I think that I think TA his numbers were not even there for the type of popularity that he had because people really, really liked him. And he was a guy that kind of like went on his own beat, uh, which I really respected. He's more Ozzie than people think that he is. What I think that is sad is that, so the moment that he started tweeting, okay, all the stuff that he tweeted, but then the guys didn't make him available to talk to the media. That's why he tweeted. Like, let him talk to the media. Let him say something and let him express himself. I, the moment he, 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 right he declines a lot of well, that's time. That's what I mean. But I'm saying that's that's where the team, okay, that's where teams, and I'm talking about team, I'm talking about, and I know Kenny has done this for other players, but I don't know right now if the front office, and I'm talking about all of his coaches, except Rick Renteria, because they used to have a really, really good relationship, um, like for real. 
I'm talking about Tony, Tony's coaching staff, and the new staff. Again, Tony got fired, the new staff. I hope that Pedro Griffol, and if he didn't do this, it was a huge issue. It's a, it's a problem if he didn't do this. Is You needed to have a meeting with TA, a lunch meeting just with TA, and say, you give me your version of the story, okay, of every story, and why are you not happy here? And what can I do to make you happy? So if it is, you know, hey, you know what? I, I don't feel comfortable because of the music that I play in the clubhouse. I feel that my teammates judge me or that you do this. That's the type of conversation and the type of meeting. And when you have a meeting behind closed doors, you deal with all those things that your, your players are telling you. You address them as a whole and say, hey, I got players on this team that tell me that they're culturally don't fit. They feel like they don't fit. You say those things in a meeting. Someone on the team does not culturally feel like they can fit in. Everybody starts saying like, oh, crap, like I better – I need to be like, I need to feel, you know, be a part of them. And those are the things that I thought Pedro was going to do because he told us he was going to do them and be accountable. I hope that someone had those meetings because it's other than T.A.'s family or close friends, the White Sox should know why he's so unhappy other than his contract. If it is, if it is off the field stuff, if it is issues that he's having with a teammate, because you can take care of that. If it's an issue that he's having with a teammate, who's a teammate? Let's sit you guys down. Okay, why don't you guys like each other? What's up? Like, what's for real? Like, at least get to the point where you respect each other. I feel like TA, the White Sox, have gone a long time with just ignoring doing things. And he just, they just let him be. And then he feels frustrated, maybe because he's asking for help, wants people to help. So I don't know why someone hasn't done that. Because let's be honest, if you could have kept TA here and he's going to be the talented person that he was at one point, and you got a contract, a friendly contract that you did before, he could be a great piece for a winning team. Uh, because at one point, the this is the other point I want to talk about. At one point, the White Sox are going to have to build a 26-man roster that is going to be ready to win and be here. Every single player that gets here that has issues, we're like, get rid of him, hire him, bring another rookie up. We'll, we'll take the next prospect. And it's like, whoa, those prospects are probably going to have the same issue. That's why I brought Chris Sale. Like, this goes back all the way from this guy. Okay. <laughs> Is there any scissor? Is there any no, cuts no, in that jersey? No. I did ask him though to sign. That up. one's all attached. That was all cut up. <laughs> I said, "Can I buy the same jersey cut up?" No, but I'm being like with Chris Sale. You saw that he was unhappy. You saw that it didn't work out, and it feels like, okay, don't worry about it. We'll get the next prospect, and then we got C's. You know, but it feels like we're just going through prospects, but no one's really happy here. Like no one stays here and says, "Wow." Like I want to be a White Sox for the next fifty years. Like you don't see that with because that. it's a mess from the top down. It's I mean. an organizational that's failure that, from the top that down. That should be something that Jerry and the top brass should be like, hey guys, isn't it coincidence that none of no one wants to be here for like long term? Because if you're if you're if you're a great franchise, guys that are there from the beginning, they want to stay. They're like, I'm signing here. Like I'll take the I'll take the pay cut. I love it here. That's where I think the issue is of. Right now, it's the prospecting, and everybody's talking about Noah Schultz, and everybody. It's like, great. When they get here, are we going to piss them off to the point where they're not going to want to be here? So, are we ever going to get? A, are we ever going to get somebody to be here for more than ten years? That's all I'm saying. That has that, to happen. Doubtful. That decision should start at Dylan Cease. Like they should have right. had that conversation, and that if that is your rule of change for within the organization, it should start at Cease right now. Give him, the, give him all the money he wants. At some point, we need to sign a pitcher. Like, you need to have a roster. Like, you can't compete. You can't tell fans we're going to go for every year, but then you're competing with three guys that are, are just prospects. you got to have, like, pillars to the situation. And you're right, Donzo. Just go to Cease and say, hey, we like you. By the way, Cease is great with the fans. Okay? You look at him. He fits the role. I don't think Cease has any off-the-field issues where you're, like, concerned that he's going to do anything crazy. 
he represents the White Sox in a pretty legit way, and he's a pretty good pitcher. Oh. You had two guys like that. You had CC and you had Jolito. Extremely healthy, too. I'm saying extremely healthy. But you're oh, not you jinxed better. him now. Thanks. I'm just saying, I don't think that you're going to get better. You're not going to get better character-wise than those two guys. So if you can sign guys like that, you're like, who are you going to sign? So you won't give me Trevor Bauer because he's too – you know, outside the box, and we're too clean cut. But then you won't sign two of the best clean cut, healthiest pitchers in the game of baseball. Like I'd have my daughter marry Jolita Orsi. Like they're, they're just great guys. Like they're that's what you want in one of your players. But you're not going to sign them. So it's still confusing. It's like you won't give me this guy because he's an issue. I get it. But then you won't give me the good guy. It makes more sense. All right, Gonzo, I'm I'm putting you on the spot. Tell give give me all you got. Lay it on us. What What are your thoughts so on, on the, all of this? When it comes to Mancada and TA at the deadline, I mean, obviously, you're, well, I mean, you guys talk about Mancada too, though. And obviously, oh, you're trading not, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, with Mancada, the contract's too big. Um, and then TA, like we were going with the natural national perception of him. I just think the Sox came to that point where they're like, you know what? We have these guys on the books for one more year. Let's see what we can make out of the value on their contract year and then go from there. Also for the fact that Montgomery and Ramos are still a year away. So, you know, we're still good for Mankata and TA for one more year and get what we can out of them at the next deadline. Try to get what we can get out of the value for them with expiring contracts. But I do agree. I think that's a smart decision at the end of the day. Uh, but at the end of the day, you do need to, you know, if that cease or whoever it's going to be, you need to have that decision on how you're going to make this change to put money allocated around the guys that you're building. Cause Robert, you have him until 2026. So I think that next step is definitely to extend cease and, and, uh, and keep building around the value you have in your farm system. But again, Han replenished the farm system, but we have to develop around the core that he set with uh, what's looking like Robert and cease. Uh, KG, what are your, what are your final thoughts on this whole, debacle that is the white Sox right now before before we get you out of here we also want to ask you some questions about yourself too but what are your final thoughts on 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 the field stuff yeah i mean i i just watching the game now it's like man i hope they lose because winning just makes them think they're doing the right thing and they're, and they're not doing the right thing so it's like this this whole culture they have like oh look now we've done you, you see now how we're starting to win we changed things. you haven't changed anything it's it's even worse now than what it was before so I don't know. Like I said, it's like a dumpster fire. You got to start from the top, work your way down. They like said the Sox lose 100 games and they get rid of the manager, or they keep them. Like, that's that's the other thing. Do you think they the manager stays here longer than a year or two if they lose 100 games? Uh, you that's, um, that's a good question. If you would have – I mean, I think we all said it back in the spring. Like, even when the White Sox had a bad start, we're like, all right, you know, you, you kind of build around Cease and Robert and Griffol, like – let Berger be his guy, and you know you, you've kind of figure out who meshes with Grafol, and that's who you build around. At this point, I don't know if there's really any redeeming qualities from the first however many months of Grafol in charge. And and I was pretty hopeful. I'll be honest; like he said all the right things early on, but saying is one thing and doing is another, and he ain't doing a lot of doing. And that's do. why his nickname is perfect. Well, it's <laughs> you cartoon. Caillou, Caillou, never says the, Caillou always says the right things, but he never does what his mom tells him to do. He's a naughty, naughty boy. And I again, naughty really, boy. He, he will be here for the next three years, I believe. I think he's going nowhere. That's my bet. 
I do want to add, uh, I know that I forgot to, Slav, you caught me on the Mankata, but again, you did uh, bring up Grandal, and on my, for my opinion, I wouldn't bring him back on a one-year deal. I think you go with someone else to bring back on a one-year deal, and you, you go ahead and give Corey Lee all the reps next year. Because at the end of the day, besides Corey Lee, you have three other prospects to develop in Cuero, um, Calvin Harris, and Hattenberg. And one of those three are going to come up and be a tandem with Corey Lee, likely. So um, that's what I would focus on there. And really, that's at the end of the day, we know that Grandal's – or not Grandal, that um, – Grafal is going to be a yes man to Han. That that was Han's selection as manager. Um, so what I'm taking from the remaining games of this year with nine weeks left of baseball, see those guys are going to be your past 24. You know, like tonight I just watched uh, Oscar Colas hit his third home run of the season. Like th those are the small things I'm paying attention to because I want to see a guy like Oscar develop and, and if he can develop, then why do I need sheets? Cause I got a guy in Oscar that, is a better athlete from the left-handed side of the plate with the, you know, with the power in that bat. Um, again, it's the small things for me with watching the rest of this 2023 season um, that I'm focusing on. All right, KG, um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where can White Sox fans buy some beer from you or vodka? Uh, little, little Joe's, uh, 1041 West Taylor Street, only about eight minutes away from White Sox Park. So it's a good place to go before and after the game. Our food's really good. Uh, we get we get a little crazy sometimes. You know, we come up with cocktails and shots named after White Sox players. So if they do certain things on the night, like we do the burger bomb here. So every time burger hit a homer, following day we half price. And then we came up with a cease and desist cocktail. So if they he strike out 10 batters, it'd be half price the following day. So, you know, like that little fun with. But when the team's not that good, it's, it's hard to have people come in. So we sometimes we give tickets away. Nobody wants them. It's like, what? Well, it's a good place a to drink your I'm sorrows away. I'm DMs, KG. <laughs> no, we're going to start sliding in there. By the way, it's going to be like, hey, once uh, there's a next White Sox blow up, we'll come and discuss it live in the meeting. Because I feel like there we go. Yeah. I'm well, we got to have we got to have a blackout cocktail. It works. It's perfect. Okay. You have a few of these right. and you black out literally. <laughs> After every White Sox loss, you have the blackout drink. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll just do double shots of uh, Rumpel Mints. What about Malort? I know uh, Jay and Junior clearly big Malort guys. Oh, so, so, so we actually have a Malort cocktail too. It's okay. Tears of, it's I need it. Tears of Wrigley. <laughs> oh, What's in it? Malort, uh, PBR, and grapefruit juice. Oof. You take you take it like a like you take it like a car bomb. Yeah. I would actually drink that. I I love Malort. I'm one of the few. I Me genuinely too. like the flavor. Very hard yeah. Taste. yeah. yeah. I, just like Jake Burger. Lord, yeah, I just the Lord now. It's like I thought it was like tongue banging your grandmother. Come on, you're but you're a Chicago guy, born and born and raised on the South Side, right? Yeah, well, that my Lord's not. Yeah, my Lord, something happened there. Something happened. My there. Lord is good for right. you. So, Kate, I want to ask you a question. I really want to ask you a question though, because I, mm -hmm. I had a conversation with somebody more on the money side, okay, uh -huh. with the game of baseball's business and yeah. the the impact that a team has on a business. I think the the biggest compliment Ozzy can get is anytime somebody's like, because of your team in 2005, you know, my business is so much better in the next three oh, yeah. years. I mean, so like, I mean, from years, how concerned are you? Because like, if, like when I talk baseball, like it's my fantasy team and then my feelings, but I don't have a bar by the stadium. I'm not, you know, I'm not selling concessions or anything like that. So someone like you, a business owner, a small business owner, 
in a bar that is for the fans in the area where the team plays. How concerned are you with like the team being? You should be very concerned, probably, if it's going to be good or bad because it obviously affects your business. Well, that's the thing. So a lot of times, even if you stay close to five hundred, you got fans coming all year long. Yeah. I mean, even before the All Star break, we saw the difference right off the bat. Like people not coming before, not coming after. You know, it's like you can, you can tell by just watching the game. You're like, oh man, seats are only half full. That half full seats mean half less people coming to the bar. Next thing you know, when the, when, the, when the teams aren't the race, people get tickets. They don't go because because why? And then yeah. they'll just stay home and drink and watch it on TV. It's and then watching the team not get better. It's just it's just yeah, it's still rough. But thank God we're close to United Center too, so we're. <laughs> we, got the, we got the Hawks coming up, so yeah, it's going to be exciting times for the Blackhawks. I know I will be tuned in this year for sure. What are your? Yeah, uh, what, I, got, I got, I got, I got my shirt ready for. Add a boy, the Bedard shirt already. Yeah. Never seen him play, but I've heard good things, so I'm on that boat. I'm all about it. KG, what are some of your favorite uh, memories from your from the olden days of of your childhood watching the White Sox? The olden days. Uh, growing up, we used to go to the old Comiskey. And we used to sneak in there, like come through the side door. There was always neighborhood people worked in there, and they would let the people slide through the slide door because it never closed fully. And they would let you know. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, from where I live, I can actually, like, growing up as a kid, we just sit out in front. We can see the fireworks for every homer. You'd watch it on TV, but you would hear it first before you saw it on TV. And people always got confused. And, oh, there's another homer. I mean, Sox growing up, and Sox weren't the greatest, but they had a good team. You know, it was always – there was a, the teams were – right there uh like like i said frank thomas era that was a whole that was a that was a good that was a good times that was good times i think we got spoiled for a little bit there with him who are your favorite players in Sox history other than ozzy guillen well, well, well obviously that was number one so now you know you <laughs> oh, good answer I, good answer I, 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 I was a big great greg luzinski fan oh nice as a little kid, as a little kid I, when, I, when, I, when i played baseball i always had the same batting stance as him um i, I was a huge uh Kernerkel fan Kernerko, I always thought, man, Kernerko's great. Frank Thomas, um, Chris Sale, Chris Sale. What can you say about him besides just keep the scissors away from him? But you know, <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, Sox you know, Sox are the thing. Like growing up, it's like living so close. Even though I did, I did, I did go to a lot of Cubs games. It's like you know, it's it's just a different beast. But when the Sox aren't that good, it's like, man, uh, it's like, why am I going? Why would I want to sit there? And, you know. Like you get there, you get to the game, you have good seats, and it's pointless because there's nobody there. Tell us one more time the name of the spot, the address, and when you're there so people can look out for you and have a drink with you. Uh, Little Joe's, 1041 West Taylor Street. I am literally here almost every day at some point. And if you call the telephone number, it will go directly to my phone. So if you're on your way, just call me. I'll either be bouncing around other bars or close to the bar. Put the food in order ahead of time. There you go. There you go. Awesome. KG, thanks for jumping on with us, man. Appreciate it. Nice to meet you, KG. Have a good one. Thanks, KG. Thank you. Um, Good stuff there from KG. I love to hear from from like the true local Southside White Sox fans. Well, you should, though, but those are the people that the beer bender, those are the guys. So when people ask me why would I would never, I would never tell fans don't go to the stadium. I keep going to the stadium, maybe you're booing. Or, or if you don't want to go in the stadium because you don't want to support the team, go to the game and watch the game from one of those bars because those are the people at the end of the day whose pockets getting hurt. That's the difference of winning and losing, and that's when you really start making the maths of, man, do they really need to bring back a bunch of guys from the 05 team to like just manage and coach, even though they might not be good, just to be like nostalgic and be like, okay, we're going for it. 
like trying to be more marketing than the team it's than than actually worrying about baseball because now you're concerned more about business in that essence of that's the concerning part when you're like man there's no one in the stadium where people are going to watch less from home uh in my family people are honest they were like oh you guys going to root against the team i'm like no like we want people to the team to at least be competing till the playoffs and then see what happens because more people view you know the bosses of my father are happy and you know it's just an easier conversation it, it's because at the end of the game it's a, it's a money day so for him that has a business I, i'd be freaking out like i'm 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 here worried and i'm just worried you know i'm looking at it from just a a baseball perspective of it would be nice to have a, a competitive team in town i'm not losing any money if i was a business owner trust me i think i'd be more in part of those chants uh junior you got any special guests in town visiting or anything i do i just gotta find out I'm, i need to by the way so freddie garcia uh is watching my kids right now freddie garcia is a great pitcher was an amazing pitcher winner of the game for world series but he's he's uh he's one of those parents that lets kids do whatever they want so he's, uh, he's the cool deal he's more than the cool deal he's he teaches them like talk about being a good teammate he still thinks that his kids and my and everyone else's kids are like teammates so I, I go up there and also is like you know also is probably like eating cookies and ice cream and doing whatever he wants anywhere so i'm gonna go out, i'm gonna go see if he could come down chat with you guys for a few uh set it up uh, and I'll go watch the kids. So I'm going to try to make this flip flop. All right. Well, we're going to move on with the rest of the show. Uh, Gonzo's it's about his time to shine. Oh, uh, here it comes. I'm going to do it. Should I do it? Cause last time you yelled at me, <laughs> do it, do it. Hit me with the hot sauce live. This is Southside Daily. And the boys have an off day tomorrow. Do you have a Red Bull today? Wow. I hot sauce. Even had, you got the Sandman today. Ay, ay, ay. I'm trying to get fired up. All right. I'm, yeah, with man. All this, Oscar with, all this, with all this turmoil is going, Oscar got me fired Sox up. Sox are going to win a meaningless game in the middle of August. This is awesome. Gonzo's and fired up. I'm Mac to text yeah. you right now, uh, Gonzo, so he can put the cables on you real quick. To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they won the night. They went back-to-back series with Cleveland. Wow, that's great. Let's I ruin know. our draft slot. Awesome. Let's ruin our draft slot. <laughs> Continue on. Anyway. All right. Sox stay at home. Weekend series versus the Milwaukee Brewers, who are fighting for their division right now in, in another terrible division of the NL Central. Um, Friday's matchup is going to be Michael Kopech versus Cor- Corbin Burns. Saturday is going to be Schultens versus Woodruff. Sunday is going to be Cease versus Freddie Peralta. And, yes, Jay's giving me the L's, which I don't blame him. Oh, um, speaking of L's, I had it written down on a post-it. Hold on, we keep receipts. We got receipts. What did Jay say in the last episode? No. Six innings, 12 strikeouts. Oh, you know what this is? Basura, just like that take. Um, six innings, 12 strikeouts was what Jay predicted against the Yankees, and he was closer to having 12 walks than strikeouts. Hey, but he got he's got the dub at the end of the day. That's what we're going to take out of that. Shut if up, you started, If you started Dylan Cease in fantasy, your whip is through the roof. 
and I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a good thing I have it on the bench. All right. And the yeah, Milwaukee series, uh, former MVP and Yellick is finally back at it. Yellick, what are you? What? Milwaukee. Yelich. This is not the first time you heard of the guy. <laughs> Fucking Rami and Yelich on the show today. Good Lord. <laughs> uh, he got me good. All right. He's back. Yelich. Guy won an MVP. Do you, hey, have you heard of that Aaron Judge on the on the Yankees? <laughs> hey, you're not going to do my boy like that. Hey. Fuck it. We're gonna get. We're gonna get swept. Hey, look, players. see, he froze. Gonzo's frozen because he said Yellick. Look at the face he's frozen on. <laughs> he's gone. He, the Yellick yeah. just broke. He broke his internet. We're not. We're not winning a game against Milwaukee. It's lost. Uh, all right. I guess you can. Since Gonzo's just frozen in time, no, he got I'm so fired up. Oh, oh, there he is. Oh no, he's gone. <laughs> Gonzo's Wait, gone. What the fuck? Poor Did man. He, he said Christian Christian Yellick, and then his internet just KO'd. He, I mean, his internet just got J rammed. Oh, that's strike is he back? Three. There that's he is. Strike three. That's strike three. I'm back. Okay, continue Yellick. on. Yellick is back. Two ninety, sixteen home runs, sixty. Christian Yellick Gonzalez. It's your new middle name. <laughs> <laughs> we broke Jay. <laughs> Jay's done. Because he said it twice. Yeah. He said it twice. Like it was All right, continue. I have on. to. I have to. I, I already went with it, so I'm sticking to it. All right. Following the weekend series, um, Sox come back at home, and they're going to finish the Crosstown series starting Monday versus uh, – it's going to be Toussaint versus Hendricks, the rematch. 2.0 and Horner again is the leading productive player over there, batting 274, eight home runs, 58 ribbies. Jay, get, break down these two series for me. Uh, what you expect here in these four games coming up here? Well, I'm gonna I'm be perfectly honest. We're gonna get the shit beat out of us by <laughs> Milwaukee because not only do they have better players, but they have a better manager. And Craig Council manages every fucking inning. He doesn't take an inning off. So. If we're going to get outperformed and then outmanaged, there is no nothing that could help us. We're doomed. Oh, and the Brewers got an awesome bullpen, and they got Brandon Woodrow back, who just came back, and he's actually better than ever. Like, literally. We're popped. We, maybe ha we might have a chance against uh, Freddie Peralta because he's been getting fucking hammered all, all year. But then again... He he, the type of guy that strike out twelve. Yep, which he did in his last performance. When's the yeah. last time the White Sox like scored more than seven in a game? I think two thousand six. <laughs> I'm genuinely curious. I feel like I, I really can't remember. Was it Atlanta? Um, I think so. Oh, they beat Cleveland. No, what what night was that? The, oh yeah, the night that uh, Saturday, the night TA got KO'd. They was they scored seven. seven. Yeah, actually, they've scored seven against Cleveland twice in the last like ten days. Before that, it was a long time. It was Atlanta. You're right. Yeah. Anywho, sorry. Continue. Yeah, so we're fucking popped, and I, I'll tell you this right now: if the Chicago White Sox lose another nine inning game to the Chicago Cubs. It's over. Which they will. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get suspended. 
I'm going to get suspended because I can't have it. I can't have it. And my suspension is going to be longer than J-Ram and T.A.'s. Uh, T.A. got six games. J-Ram got three. Grafol got one. Uh, someone else got one. And I think Francona got one. Class uh, uh, A. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, Man. All right. Uh, so is that it for games the White Sox are going to lose in the future and then we do picks to click next? Yeah, it's a very short week. I they're going to win a fucking game. They'll yeah, win man. one that you totally don't expect. Like Jesse Schultens is going to throw a gem and everyone's going to be like, let's put Jesse and Tukey in the rotation next year and then yep. continue to complain that they don't spend despite the fact that they want those two guys in the rotation. Sound like that's a, neither that here that nor there. Like a, that sounds like a Spike Lee joint, Slav. <laughs> Jesse, and, Jesse, and, Jesse Tukey, and Tukey take them out. Um, all right, picks to click. Gonzo's just cheating. Yeah, yeah. I won with uh, Eloy last week. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not proud of it because from the four picks we had, it, they all did terrible. I'm not going to lie. Eloy was I mean, just six for 22 is respectable. That's that's a 300 average, right? Yeah, I'm just, it just sucks that no one was on base to really get more produ- productivity out of those hits. Uh, 272, um, yeah, it's not great. It's not terrible. It's okay. That's above league average for the minor, minorization of baseball today, which is kind of sad. But it is what it is. Did you say is. the minorization? Modernization. Oh, modernization. Okay. Yes. Not not Yellick, Yelich. No. Um, What's but, Rami hitting? He's not hitting I on miss the team Rami right so now. Much. I miss I miss Rami Tommy. Um, so you how um, many how many points you got? I I'm just trying to stall seven. to see if we can get Freddie Garcia. I know. Um, the standings right now, I'm going to bring them up here. I got seven. Um, Slefko, you got five. BS. Junior has three, and Jay has two. We have nine weeks left, boys, so this is still attainable. Everything's up in the air. I'm, right I'm asking the picks. important questions. Am I mathematically eliminated yet? No. Okay. It's got to be coming close, though. No. <laughs> No means no. No now means he's no. Five. He's, he's five behind. So. Five back? I mean, five yeah, theoretically, back. you could go on a heater and, and win the next six weeks and win, but you're, you're getting close. If no, you don't win one of the next, like, it. two. Uh, allegedly, Kenny Williams sent my at least my four-week picks to fucking Miami. So now I got to reshuffle. <laughs> I was just going to flip-flop burger every other week. Um. So, Jay, you get um, first pick. All right. No, no, no. I get what? first pick. Oh, oh, sorry, Gonzo. Yeah, my bad. Eloy's yeah. out of the Just picture. Pick. I'm going to make sure that his prob- Jay's probabilities are going slimming by the week because I'm going to go with Luis Roberts since he's available. I hope you hit your pinky toe in the corner of your bed. <laughs> Luis Robert cleared the roof of the building with a foul ball. Did you guys see this? I thought I saw That's it insanity. I didn't. I know which one he did. Um, that was a blast. Um, Jay, so you're on the clock. First? You're in second. Yep. second. You're, you're on the clock. Wait, who did you take, Gonzo? Robert Jr. Oh, of course. Fucker. Okay, so since you left me no choice, I'm just going to throw my ace card. Give me Yohan Moncada. <laughs> All right, Yikes. I got you, Moncada. Um, Slob, you're on the board. Um, Brett there are not many options. Jose Paniagua is is off the table. 
Um, Darren Erstad yeah. would be my backup pick, but uh, I can't go with him. What about Casper Wells? I would. I'm more of a uh, Connor Gillespie guy personally, but uh, mm-hmm. all right. I guess let, you know. Give me who are we playing again? Milwaukee and the Cubs. Cubs. Hmm. Is it Eloy? Or no, Eloy's off the board. My bad. Eloy's off the board with his 272 average. <clears throat> uh, give me Andrew Vaughn. The awesome. new leader per Rick Hahn of the White Sox organization. Hey, and his leadership. Playing, man. He said it, not me. I'm just quoting the man. Wow. I see I was watching I was watching the game yesterday and looking at Andrew Vaughn stand next to Aaron Judge at first base. Um, Andrew Andrew Vaughn is a small dude for a major league first baseman, but we knew that. Yeah, I didn't get any news from OJ. I forgot to ask him before you left. Yeah, let's let's wrap I'm this gonna, baby up. I'm gonna give him Colas because Colas has been heating up. Uh, per Junior, Freddie Garcia is being a expletive, so probably not gonna be joining us on this edition of the Blackout Show. Kind of expletive. Yep. All what right. So. Uh, not important. Uh, okay. go ahead. What are the picks, Gonzo? Let's wrap this baby up. Picks are on the board. I'm picking <laughs> Junior, Mancata, or Jay's picking Mancata, Slav is picking Vaughn, and OJ's gonna go with Oscar Colas. And those are the picks for this upcoming week. Do you guys think TA is gonna have like any hot stretch before the end of the season? Middle of September. I feel like once he smells the season's coming to a close, he's probably just gonna turn it on. Okay. Uh, for his sake, I hope he I hope he just goes on a heater. I hope they lose all the games for their own draft slot, but I hope he goes on a heater. I mean, right before that fight, he had what a three week stretch. Yeah, he was starting to heat four hundred. He was batting four hundred around, so it's just frustrating, like why are we squaring up in this situation when we're down we're twenty games below five hundred. Like, I don't get the need for even having an ego fight on the field at that point. Um, but then again, I guess, what was that? What was that on the mound that night? It was Kopech. And Kopech said, why are we going to allow a team that's four games under 500 put us down even more? You shouldn't was- be talking shit when you're 20 games <laughs> under 500. <laughs> like, why are we having these this conversation? Um I just, yeah, I don't get it at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, they, like we've been going on along with here all along is, you know, this is comes down to Han and is, is Jerry going to take the blindfold off? I don't foresee it. And this is frustration when all we can really um, lean on is really each other right now. Cause Jerry lean doesn't care about the fans. Me. Doesn't care about the fans. When you're really. not strong. So I'll you want to hear something scary? Listen to this Jerry scenario. Can carry on. I can just keep going. What's the Wait scenario, on, Jay? Man. Oh boy, we might as well end the show after that. Just X out. Hey, goodbye. We are very yeah. close to a situation to where we can have a Remillard, Rami Gonzalez, Oscar Colas infield in the very near future if we don't why would colas be in the infield because he's a first he's gonna be a first baseman i don't think so i think his arm's good enough you can stash him in right field and get away with it there's been many worse defensive players than him in the outfield 
Wait, say okay. that again. We, we could have a Rami, Lenin, Sosa, Andrew Vaughn, Zach Remillard infield, and that's worse. <laughs> Your face says it all. But I do feel like Elvis needs to be DFA so you can bring up Sosa. I don't know. Griffol doesn't seem to know what the hell is going on. All right, final thoughts and shout-outs. Let's wrap this baby up. Uh, want to give a, I just want to give a shout-out to the Chicago White Sox for once again being the biggest issue in my life. Um, outside of that, the fantasy team's getting uh, getting together, uh, having nice conversations about baseball with Slav and Gonzo. I mean, what's left? What, what What's left? We should take a hiatus from the White Sox after this season, just for a little bit, just just to <laughs> replenish the the sanity. Uh, Gonzo, what you got? Um, like every other week, I'm gonna give a shout out to my girl, who's right now outside playing with the dogs, distracting them from being in here. Um, give Sri a shout out. We had a nice date yesterday to go see Oppenheimer in theaters, and I'm gonna give a shout out to KG for jumping on with us. Um, Again, Slav, I think you said it best. I mean, those are guys that are hurting the business owners there in the you know in the local community. Um, a guy like KG, I feel for him because I mean he, he had great events before the season with under the vest with the Chicago Police Department, and then he you know joined up linked up there with Jake Berger um, to help the business side of it. And it's guys like him that are hurting, and I hope sooner than later that Sox bounce back, able to figure this out, um, not only for him but for our Sandy too. And I got to thank everyone else for joining in, tuning in, viewing us. Our views are going up. We are getting out there. And um, another shout out. I'm a shout out Sierra last week. I, I mean, I've listened to that episode already multiple times and loved everything she gave us. And uh, can't wait for more to come. What you got? Well like? said. Uh, shout out to KG as well. Uh, if you're listening, Little Joe's, 1041 Taylor Street in Little Italy. Uh, hit up KG. Get yourself a White Sox named cocktail. Have a few drinks before and after the game. Support his business. Uh, lifelong White Sox fan. And a good guest in the show tonight. Um, so shout out to KG. And I, th- I don't think I have anything else because everything else White Sox kind of sucks right now. Um, shout out to Freddie Garcia and the rest of the White Sox crew that were in town for uh, a golf Freddie. outing. Um, and shout out to Ozzy Jr. for jumping on even though his kids are like literally fishing in a pool or you know doing some <laughs> destructive activities um i'm not kidding there's pictures uh all right so for kg for ozzy jr for jay for gonzo i'm slavko thank you as always for listening to this edition of the blackout show